Well, everyone, welcome to the first proper podcast uh, for Yorkshire Gamer. You'll have had a listen to the pilot episode. And this is the first one with uh, an interview. And just to make it a little bit more exciting for myself, I've gone for two people to interview rather than one. And uh, it's the first proper podcast. It's the first attempt on Zoom at recording. What could possibly go wrong? So the first thing I'm going to do is introduce my guests. And the first guest, Chris, um, I was the first guest on his podcast uh, some time ago, back in August, I think it was. Um, relatively newish to historicals. He's active on social media and he's done some excellent, excellent introductory videos on the YouTubes, getting a big follow in as we go along. Uh, so say hi to everyone at Yorkshire Gamer, Chris. Hello, you all right? How's it going? Ah, brilliant, Chris, brilliant. Great to have you on the show. And uh, just Thanks for having me. Returning, returning that favour when you uh, put me first on your list of uh, masters. Not saying that I'm old or anything. Well, masters is like a, it's not age specific. Is it not? Nah, it's not. Yeah, it's, not. It's, like, uh, it, it's certainly it's, felt. It certainly felt that way. But uh. yeah, the, I suppose that's the thing that people associate with like old masters. Don't they? No, it's not. It's not age specific. We'll get someone new on there eventually. Eventually. <laughs> eventually. And uh, the second guest I've got today uh, is Gareth Lane, and uh, it's a posh pass podcast, so we've got someone from the aristocracy on. Uh, Gareth is better known as Lord Ragland on the social media and the World Games forums, and he is a prodigious painter and gamer with lots of big collections of gorgeous figures, so if you haven't checked out his social media, get on there and have a look. Uh, so welcome, Gareth. So in true, true Yorkshire style, then, can you by gum, I'm pleased to be on you. Thank you for <laughs> the invite. It's right grand to have you here, lad. Right grand. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, have you done any podcasts before, Gareth? No, first one, first one Ken. First one. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pleased that you agreed to come on because uh, you, you've got quite a big presence on the, on the social media and on the Twitters. So uh, it, it's nice to have you on board. My wife gave me a warning. She said, behave. Whatever yep. you do, just behave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for, for those of you who, who do follow Gareth, you'll already know, but it, it can get a bit of, um, it can be a bit carry on wargaming sometimes on the Twitters with, with the odd um, risky reference, should we call it that way? <laughs> bit, bit of blue for the dads. <laughs> but we, uh, it's certainly a good laugh on the Twitters and a, and a great guy to follow. Uh, so uh, just, just so while we're on the Twitters, um, what, what's your handle on there, Chris? It's, it's Winston underscore Ab underscore Reese, R-E-E-S, which is, which is a, a, a weird pseudonym I set myself up as on social media when I very first started in Wargaming. Yeah. Various reasons, don't really know why I did it, but it just, it, it seems stupid to change it now, so I just kept it there. But my, my real name is Chris Breeze. And uh, so you, you, you've come out with your real name. Uh, how are you feeling um, out of the box, so to speak? All right, feeling fine. I realised that we've got, we've got, we've got um, some builders in, so I might have to move a bit. Oh, <laughs> Excellent. I did a recording for the YouTube channel yesterday and we had some builders fixing the church roof over the road. So I had the builders going, I had next door dog yapping and uh, professionalism just went out of the window. I just had to keep talking to, to cover up the background noise. <laughs> so the first thing I want to do, and um, as I said on the pilot, it's a little bit of a, uh, a cliche these days, but uh, get people just to explain how they got into the hobby. 
And just to switch it up a little bit, I've decided to do this. You've got four minutes. Um, so have you been have you been practicing, guys? Uh, I've written some notes. Is that, <laughs> is that, does that count? Always odd lib. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, Chris, I'm going to go with you first, as you were the first person I introduced. Um, so I'm just going to say, Chris, when you're ready, get going. And then I've got a little timer here. And um, it will uh, tick down to four minutes, just over four minutes, because I pressed the wrong button when I recorded the, uh, <laughs> the the sound clip earlier on. So, Chris, when you're ready, mate, four minutes, um, starting from now. Okay. So, um, wargaming-wise, lots of people, well, a few people would know me on social media for the account uh, at Winston underscore uh, underscore Reese, which is where I sort of post pictures of all the bits and pieces I do across Twitter, Instagram, places like that. But but my real name is Chris Breeze. I'm a 38-year-old dad of two kids from Nottinghamshire who um, I suppose in some ways came into Wargaming completely cold um, about three and a half years ago, uh, four years this August. Uh, my, what I suppose is um, in some ways it starts as a kid because when I was about 12, a small group of us in the sort of mid to early 90s at high school, secondary school, did Warhammer for about nine months, a grand total of about nine <laughs> months, where just a group of four or five of us just just bought orcs and empire and all that sort of stuff and painted small armies and got bored with it in the space of nine months and sold it all. So there was a kind of, I suppose, a little seed there, albeit a small one. So I was familiar with that, that world. And then I I completely walked away from it, really, at that, that point as a 13-year-old, I suppose I would have been. Didn't do anything at all, you know, remotely sort of model-related at all, until three and a half years ago, I happened to walk into the the shop where Wargames Foundry um, sort of have a, have a shop in Nottinghamshire. Uh, and I happened to walk into that shop through a work job, and it was just hit by this kind of like massive wall of, of historical miniatures and that's that was the first time I kind of really knew that historical wargaming existed embarrassingly living in Nottingham um, so I went away did a google bought a couple of sets peri plastics I think they were and I was just painting them up on my own to begin with just not not really doing much not not really trying to make any effort to join a club not thinking about rules just playing around with the miniatures Wars of Roses miniatures and then I, I finally made the step to sort of go to an event which I think was the partisan of that year so it would have been the partisan two of that year in Nottinghamshire and I was a little bit not nervous about going but I just I didn't know anybody I had no other friends who were into Wargaming at that point and I didn't know anyone at all else who was into it and I was doing bits and pieces on Twitter I hadn't actually physically sat down with anybody had a conversation with them or played a game with them at all um, and I walked into partisan and I think one of the first things I saw was the Perry Twins, Alan and Michael, setting up what I think was an AWI game. I didn't really know what it was at the time, obviously, but now, now I know it is an AWI game, and uh, I was just blown away by it. Just what, what, That was the first thing I saw when I walked to the show. Um, and then I sort of started walking around, talking to people, saw all the different games going on. Like, saw the, and then it was all kind of laid out for me there, like the full range of stuff that you could get and you know how far you could take it if you wanted to. Um, and then I, as part of the same show, I ran into some people who I now know as Like Stonewall Wargaming Group, 
from Mansfield, which isn't too far from where I live. It's half an hour drive away. Uh, and then I got talking to them. They were really, very welcoming. They let me sit on a, uh, I think it was a Northern Alliance game. Uh, well, uh, uh, somebody remind me that what's the, uh, oh, the sort of um, 18th century war that's Scandinavian based. It's really oh, showing myself up here, aren't I? Great, great Northern War. Great Northern War, yeah. I mean, whopping Great Northern, Northern War game. Huge it was. Absolutely massive. It must have been over 12 foot long. Must have been over 3,000 figures on the table. Uh, and despite not knowing anything, they said, oh, what are you, you know, what are you into? And I was like, well, Wars of Roses. And I was like, do you play? And I was like, no. They're like, have you ever played before? And I was like, no. And they were like, don't matter, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Right. And they just sort of like, you know, let me play for a couple of hours, chat to me and said, look, message us on Facebook. And I haven't stopped since. I've been um, sort of playing with those guys, building my collection ever since, and I'm officially addicted. Three and a half years on. Is that me? <laughs> right on the bong. <laughs> well, that was fantastic. It's almost like you timed that. That was uh, that was superb. I have to say. I think he's been practicing, Ken. That was too, that was too too much on the money, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, this, Going just slightly off topic, which I'm sure we will do a lot on this podcast, but um, when I was at university, we uh, there were four guys who lived in the house, uh, students together, and one of the guys, his like um, party trick was to do the uh, countdown music. Um, so he'd, he'd like beatbox the countdown music and then stop exactly on 30 seconds. And he was never, ever more than two tenths of a second out. Even after you know fourteen vodkas and and three pints of ale. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Thank you very much for that, Chris. That was uh, much appreciated, right? You're welcome. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll cover some of those other those bits we've talked about uh, during the course of uh, of the rest of the podcast. Uh, so, Gareth, have you been uh, have you been practicing, mate? Um, no, I haven't. <laughs> don't expect this anything like Chris. I'm going to bumble my way through this. Brilliant, mate. Uh, I'll uh, I'll give you a wave when you've got about a minute left. <laughs> so, I, should, I should confess uh, that I'll probably talk about this later. But as part of my job, it's really important that I understand how long three or four minutes is. Ah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and that we, I hit timings. We'll talk we, about that later. Yeah, we we game with a guy who's a draftsman. <laughs> And his ability to um, accurately guess distance. I'm not saying guess. He knows distances. He's like a laser rangefinder with his eyes. Yeah. And when you get how long something is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it can be annoying. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> are you ready to go, mate? Yeah, let's rock, mate. Okay. In your own time, starting now. Okay, so so I guess like Chris, my uh, my entry into wargaming was um, was a little bit later on in life. Um, I certainly wasn't interested in any of this stuff when I was uh, was in school. Um, I come from a um, from a town in West Wales called Carmarthen, and in Carmarthen, uh, to be a geek wasn't a good thing back in those days. In fact, if you walked walked into a pub and you said that you were a student, that was fighting talk. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I I I joined the military. And one of the jobs that I, I, I did while I was in the military was teaching soldiers uh, s small ta uh, unit tactics. And we used to use kind of coins or we used to use kind of colored, colored uh, uh, counters, you know, just to represent, you know, troops on, on, the, on the sand table. And, and just one day I thought, 
well, what, what would it be like if I used plastic soldiers instead? So I'd seen AFIC soldiers kind of in shops and things like that. So I went off and I bought some and I painted them red and I painted them blue. And we, we did that for a little bit. And I thought, well, what if I paint them, you know, to represent, you know, the camouflage? So I went off and I got some, uh, in those days, it was the enamels, the old enamels that we used to paint, um, you know, um, airfix um, planes and, uh, and boats and things. Uh, so I had a go with the, with the enamels and people said, oh, that's not, that's not too bad. And I thought, you didn't think anything more of it really. And then just one day I was, um, I was walking down the street and we had my wife and my, my daughter with me and we, um, we, we came across the games workshop um, and I went in there and thought, wow, you know, look at all this stuff. And they also had acrylic paints. Oh, so oh. I thought, woof, give this a go as well. And this was, this is before the day before we had washes, you know, it was acrylic paints, which are, so I took those away, um, started painting with those, got some really nice results, kind of got into it. And then again, dropped it again um, when I went off and did, uh, you know, another, uh, another piece of work and, and then came back into the hobby and uh, I, I got into 30K um, in a really, really big way um, and painted, started painting with brushes and with airbrushes and things and, um, and then sort of got into historicals um, and got a, found a, a really nice b a bunch of friends that we did really big historical games with. Um, and I, I found that I was able to kind of churn through miniatures in a fairly rapid rate. Um, and as a result, you know, we could get bigger armies to the table. So um, that was, that was it. Uh, and I, going back, uh, I guess, two years ago, I discovered Twitter um, and Twitter just, kind of opened up my horizons with regards to the uh, the number of gamers are out there i mean until i went on there i didn't realize how many how many gamers i had living close to me um which which was fabulous and and now you know i've got several people uh, once we're out with this blooming lockdown <laughs> <laughs> that i could probably play you know three or four games a week with if i if i, if I wanted to um so yeah um, I, i'm not sure i need to wait till the countdown um oh team to come in I, I guess that's my my background as a as a war gamer really that's brilliant gareth thank you, you you're on about three minutes 30 so uh, um you'll be giving lessons to henry hyde there about uh, cutting things down yes henry if you tune it in give me a ring <laughs> yeah we can start our own consultancy on um quick uh war gaming backgrounds <laughs> just a couple of things to talk about out of those um chris you're you've got your youtube channel and um, you've done quite a lot of introductory videos on there which i think are, are really good for new people coming into the um into the hobby yeah. uh, what sort of a reaction have you had to those uh really quite good some of them i suppose i mean it's not yeah. the, the channel's not uh, i don't expect it's going to enter the stratosphere or anything but it's yeah what I wanted to do when I created it was to sort of create some of the videos that I wish I'd have found uh, when I, back when I started, because now I've got sort of three or four years under my belt. I think I've realised that I'm probably one of these wargaming evangelists, as, as they know, mm. kind of thing. You know, wanting to help people who were, who were like me three years ago, you know, who just don't have a clue, but they want, they want to learn and they want to um, have somebody to, to talk to and answer questions about. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's a 
there's actually a playlist that I've sort of started to set up and develop, which is all about like the very, very, very basics. Like, mm. What are war games rules? What are war games paints? Yeah. I think that we'll probably go to this later, but the, the telling thing is that the most viewed video I've ever done, which is at about three and a half thousand or something, it's just a video that's, that answers the question like, um, well, basically, war games rules for complete beginners, <laughs> which is where I just talk and demonstrate yeah. for about 45 minutes. Mm. And I just assume that the viewer is curious, but essentially knows nothing about how like the most mm. basic war games mechanics rules work, yeah. and go from there. Which tells tells you a lot, really. I suppose it tells me there's a lot of people out there that just mm. want someone to say this is the basics of how it works. This is what it actually is. Yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm glad that's the case. Um, I, I've certainly enjoyed, even with all my years of gaming, going through those videos, and um, I think they're a, they're a great thing for the hobby in general um so a little tick box there chris uh, top job mate yes, um, I mean, yeah keep, <laughs> keep going with it i suppose see where you know just there's a few more yeah. ideas i've got and stuff but brilliant brilliant so <laughs> over, get into it. over to you gareth then um i think the question that most people will, will want to ask from you is um how do you manage to pump out so many figures in such quality <laughs> terrifying isn't it it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i i think i can and inspiring paint, equal yeah. i think i can paint quickly and i think i pump out quite a lot of stuff but gareth you leave me standing mate uh, for, for me it's 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 discipline really yeah um and a wife that enjoys watching soaps um <laughs> so I, i'm i'm absolutely guaranteed you know two and a half hours uh, an evening um, and a couple of hours on the weekend where she's not going to bug me um, yeah. and she's going to leave me, you know, do do my hobby. And um, I, I'm really methodical with it, really. Um, yeah. I've spoken on Twitter around batch painting, and I think yeah. that's that's a skill that people can learn. Um, you know, you, you've, at times I can paint between sort of 50 to 100 figures at, at a time and just kind of churn through them. It's really monotonous and it's boring. Um, you know, one evening you might do all the trousers, next evening you might do all, you know, the faces, um, but you've just got to kind of zone out and just get on with it. And yeah. if you if you want to get big armies to the table, I think at, at speed, um, that's the way to go. Um, I, I know people, you know, sometimes struggle with painting more than 10, um, mm. you know, but I think it's it's just being that really disciplined and just plowing through them. Do you think that's maybe come from your military background, a bit of discipline there? Yeah, possibly. I, I, I mean, um, I, I've played sport all my life and it, it's painting miniatures. It is just in complete contrast to, to anything else really I've done, you know, as a, as a hobby. Um, my work is really busy uh, and I just find it extremely relaxing just to be able to kind of focus, you know, uh, on the paintbrush uh, mm. and plowing through a set of figures in, in an yeah. evening, you know. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, it's something I, I plan to cover in a in a later podcast. But I think the people who have high pressure jobs or jobs that are very busy, um, myself included, I, my little personal zone is my paint table, and I can just switch off everything that's happened at work in that day and um, just drift off and paint. So I know exactly where you're coming from there. So. Um, What's um, what's the big project that you've gone on at the moment, then, Gareth? What's uh, what's filling up your paint table as we speak? 
So it's going to be the Italian Wars, um, thanks to you um, <laughs> and to Stephen as well, um, yeah. old, old war gamer there from yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's it, it's a period that's, that's really interesting to me. Um, we've also got the War of the Roses going on at the moment, yeah. um, but which which I know we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've got a couple of pro- other projects that I just need to finish off, Japanese for the Pacific mm. and uh, the, the Germans uh, for World War I. Uh, but once these are out of the way, it is literally um, Italian wars now for the rest of the year, I guess. Brilliant. And um, you didn't mention in your little four minutes, um, just roughly what sort of age are you, Gareth? Um, I am 55 um, this year. So mid fifties, so similar yeah. age to my similar age to myself then. So Chris is the uh, the little uh, baby here today. <laughs> Yeah, I, and that's where I guess I, I I said that I was kind of late that the um, the the, um, the the geek gene was latent with me certainly, <laughs> but but I've still managed to get twenty five years in. Brilliant! <laughs> it, it kicked brilliant. in around thirty, I guess, for me. Yeah. So so Chris, thinking, what, what what are you working on at the moment? What's your big project? Uh, well, I'm I'm doing one side, really, I suppose, or the bulk of one side anyway. Yeah. For, for our Wars of Roses project that we've got coming up in, in May, brilliant. so. That's, I mean, Wars of Roses is what, probably what I'm doing, to be honest, nine nights up to them painting. Brilliant. So it's, it's I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the last, because I mean, I, this is probably a good thing that I did this, but when I started three years ago, I, th- I decided I was going to pick one main thing. And I'd have other distractions, have other little side projects, but I decided I'd pick one thing. What I wanted was a big Wars of Roses collection that you could divide into two armies, yeah. totaling about a thousand figures, mm. 500 aside, and i by by May, I will probably complete that. I'll be done and dusted, sort of thing. So it's it's I suppose it's the end of a three and a half year project. Where I've where I suppose yeah, I'm in the last six months of a three and a half year project where I've I've gone down all the little alleyways, doing bits and pieces of yeah. a little bit of World War Two, and I've done uh, I've got a Saxon army that's kind of like a a side distraction. I've done some bits of terrain and stuff, but yeah, the the thing that's dominated the last well three and a half years really for me is Wars of Roses. So yeah. No worries. Well, thanks very much, guys. Um, we're just going to uh, move on to the next section. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back in the Yorkshire Gamer podcast, episode one. And as you will know, this is all about big games. This is big games on big tables with lots of figures. And... Um, Rather than spend hours and hours talking about people's past, what I want to talk about with people who come on this show is is big games and what a big game is to them and and how it affects them. And um, Chris, you kind of you kind of touched on it in your four minutes um, because you had a similar experience to me. I walked into Northern Military in 1984 and saw this massive game and went, "Wow." Um, so you, you mentioned that that was yourself with the with the Perry's game. What was your sort of reaction to what you saw? Uh, I mean, I, I suppose the, the thing to say is that I'd seen obviously seen lots of photographs and things and seen mm. pictures in before bothered to go to a show and when I use the phrase plucked up the courage to go to a show and, and get, get stuck in. But I don't think anything can sort of. Um, substitute for actually seeing it there and being able to walk around it and, and sort of look at it close up and I think when because I mean partisan's got a good 
games generally, like the standard mm. demo and participation game is pretty good though. It's, it's known for being good, good standard of games. So it just had that really wide impact on me, like when you walk up to the table and look, and like everything looks really good. Everything's a really good standard. You could quite happily just sat in a museum. Mm. Yet, it, yet it was a game, you know, it was something that somebody had created and you could play with and play a game with and something to sociable and interact with. It was amazing, really. I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, when you go to the Royal Armouries in Leeds. Mm. If anybody's ever been there, which is a fantastic museum in Leeds of arms and armour, basically. And in there, there's a there's an exhibition, of, well, a, a whopping great diorama of the Battle of Agincourt, mm. which was which is part done by the Perrys. It's all their figures. And that's got 4,000 models in it, I think. Something mm. like that. 4,000 yeah. 4, models in it. And it's uh, it's got that sort of wow factor. It's a similar sort of thing. It just I don't think it, when you go to a place like that, and those kinds of games at that kind of level, even if you're not particularly interested in in the hobby or the period in the first place, you can't help but at least go, hmm, hmm, look at that, you know, and, and walk over to it. It's got that sort of I think of it as like a crossover wow factor to it. You know, you mm. don't have to be interested in models per se or interested in history per se mm. to appreciate it. I suppose that's the that was the key. I suppose yeah. just a shout, shout out, you know, Ken, to uh, David Marshall, who, um, mm. who made that uh, that yeah. diorama for the for the Paris. Um, I mean, he's just a brilliant terrain maker, isn't he? Um, yeah. I, I'm very privileged to have some of his pieces, um, and I visited him at home several times. Um, you know, he's just a really nice guy as well. But what an awesome terrain maker! Yeah, yeah. and that, that, that's often the difference, isn't it, with a big game? In that, um, lots of figures on a on a green cloth with cardboard hills and it isn't yeah. spectacular is it um, but when you've got guys like that it makes yeah. a huge difference doesn't it point Gareth Bates actually because it's the, the the figures the figures are a massive part of that diorama but the, mm. but the terrain sort of makes it as well because it's such a miniature world you know mm. it's mm. like the, the, the detail and stuff like that the, the horses hooves in the mud and everything you know the, the mud itself the the trees are the trees are turning brown because it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I but, have to say that uh, I think terrain is um, is what kind of rocks it for me, really. Hmm. Um, you know, I I really like a, a good looking table. Um, I, I invest in lots of scenery. Um, hmm. Um, I never make any of my own scenery, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm too busy painting figures. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm really lucky to have a, a couple of guys that I know, um, including Dave, um, that yeah. um, will um, will make terrain for me. Uh, and for me, um, part of the big game experience, I guess, is um, is coming in and just looking at the table and going, "Wow, doesn't that look yeah. awesome?" <laughs> yeah. So in uh, in in your in your background in your four minutes, Gareth, you you kind of had a little bit of a different um, route into the hobby to to many people. Um, what was your first sort of interaction or your first sight of a of a big game? Gosh, I think this was um, yeah, go and salute. Um, yeah. I going back a few years. Do you know Snapdragon Studios? Mm. Um, they used to sell resin scenery. A chap yeah. called Kerry. Um, in fact, is it was where I met Adrian Deacon uh, actually for the first time. Um, I used to sell figures and um, work alongside Kerry. So Kerry would have um, 12 foot worth of standard shows and maybe I'd have six foot 
attack Dillon at the end. And um, I say he would sell resin senior and I would sell uh, painted figures. Um, and I guess it was just going along with Kerry and seeing these uh, fabulous demonstration games that were taking part uh, all across the country. Um, th those are the ones that kind of really kind of, you know, got me fixed into this hobby. And um, is it possible to, and this is an open question to both of you, um, I tried um, to define what a big game was during the pilot episode, and um, I did find it a little bit difficult. Um, what, what to you are the essential ingredients of a big game? Gareth, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, I, I don't think it's about the number of players. Um, I, I think you know you can have a big game with with just one one player aside. Um, I guess for me, it's having several brigades on that on the table. So you essentially you've got a number of small battles um, inside the large battle. Yeah. Um, so you you may be you know winning on the on the right flank, but you're losing on the left flank. You know, it's um, it, it's uh, it can go swings and roundabouts really. Um, so. I think that's what kind of sets a big game for me is that mm. you have several uh, defined units uh, mm. fighting uh, independently. Yeah, uh, Chris, are you uh, are you in agreement yeah, with that? I bro broadly agree with that. I think I think possibly because of the era which I've come into it, Ken. Like the, what mm. I think of as a big game is probably a bit different to what you think of. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I think of a big game. Not a, not a not a very big game, but I think a big game is like four hundred miles aside, maybe three hundred miles aside. Yeah, doesn't have to be on a twelve by six. Yeah. So I I think that's a big game, and like like a twelve by six with two thousand models is or a thousand mm. models is probably a very big game, and yeah. something that's twenty four foot by eight is a massive game to yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? But but big game in inverted commas to me starts at about 300 figures aside actually 300 figures aside would you say that was down to what you've been exposed to during your time in the hobby because Probably. i think i think the big yeah. games the, the big games that i remember um going into the northern military those games yeah. are very very rare now so you would go to yeah. you would go to a show and you would see 10 12 massive games and then yeah. there was the room with the competition players in that i talked about yeah. which is probably yeah. going to get me into trouble on social media somewhere because they'll they'll gang up with the pitchforks and uh, come after me um do you think that might have some effect on what your experience of a big game is probably yeah i think i think i found it fascinating to discover actually that to, to discover wargaming right re relatively cold and to have to have lived in Nottinghamshire for sort of 15 years without realising yeah. the, the scale of the hobby, the breadth of the hobby. Yeah. It was a surprise to me, I suppose, and I'll go into that later, but that was a surprise to me. And then then also, you know, I recognised what you were talking about in the pilot about Northern Militaire and, and the size of the game, just how they used to be in the 90s, I think. It's kind yeah. of like last time you saw. There's people who I knock about with at, at like Stone Wall in Mansfield, they talk about that that era. Yeah, and they they would put on games of that size. And they show me photographs hmm. from kind of mid nineties, where yeah, they have got like knocking on the door of twenty four foot long tables, yeah, with whopping great sort of legions of figures and mm -hmm. sort of like eight players aside and probably you know thousands upon thousands of figures on the table. And it, I find it interesting that that's 
largely extinct. Not extinct, but it's like it's not. Yeah. It's very uncommon now. Yeah, a show, it, isn't it? Yeah. A show, definitely. It's still out there, and um, some upcoming guests on the podcast um, with holiday centres, War Games holiday centres, um, yeah. still have those things. Um, I just feel that, and, and the main reason why I decided to do this podcast was just to try and bring back the um, the love for the bigger game and, and just let people know that that sort of stuff stuff is out there. Um, so, uh, would you? I, I kind of said it had to be bigger than a six by four. Is that something that you would say, Chris, is uh, right or wrong? <laughs> I, to me, to me, it's more. I know, I know you can only fit so many figures on a six by yeah. four, but for me, it's kind of like it is like number of figures. Yeah, is is because I think once you get because my concern, right, is that once you get past six by four, yeah. you're getting past the kind of space where somebody could physically game at home yeah for, for many many people mm. not not everybody but for a lot of yeah. people once you get i mean some people can't do a six by four yeah but there are lots of people like that but then there, there are more people that can do a six by four and then once you get past six by four you get into the point where a very very large number of people mm. can't fit that in so so you kind of you don't you don't stop those people doing big games no, but make no. it much more difficult no. you know I, I, it's the number of figures i suppose you can get yeah. quite a lot of six by four and uh, back to you, Gareth. Do you think that um, that scale, figure scale, makes a difference for a big game? No, I don't think so. I think you can you can play big games in, in whatever scale you know takes your fancy. Really, mm. um, I, I made the decision many many years ago to to stick with twenty eight mil uh, mm. for everything um, because I, I because I like scenery so much. I, I would dread to think having to collect you know, scenery in various scales. Yeah. So um, when, when you've got one scale, uh, you can often use pieces uh, across several periods, can't you? Yeah. Uh, which, um, you know, I think is really helpful. Um, going back to the size uh, of the table, um, I did hear what you said in uh, in, in the op- opening episode. Yeah. Um, and I when, I when you were talking about eight-foot-wide tables, I was yeah. cringing because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I actually reduced the size of my table from six-foot-wide to yeah. five-foot-wide because I was yeah. having back pain. I have to say my list of things to talk about, medical issues due to back big games was not one of them. <laughs> uh, I have not got that on my list, so well done for bringing that in. Can I, I mean, just say that I'm, I'm only five foot five, right? So uh, you make a six foot wide table for me, you're, you're going to be removing my figures for me, I'm afraid. Right? We, we, don't worry, we, don't worry, don't worry, Chris. We've got a, a little hoist that we can sort of is, yeah. yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him a stool. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think the the, um, the the larger the table you've got, it does encourage you to to, uh, to play those those big games. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, in, in Shell HQ, um, we can we can go as big as um, as as fourteen foot long by five yeah. foot. Um, and of course, once once you've got a table, you think, well, I need to f- need to yeah. fill it with some figures. Then <laughs> you know, <laughs> See, it does kind of put, drive you on to uh, to get figures done. Yeah, we. Um, uh... Uh, the, the eight foot table that I spoke about in the pilot episode was um, was our Battle of Jutland, and that was twenty four foot by eight. And um, we did manage to get close to the table in the middle, but because the the fleets are separated by a reasonable distance, you, the stuff that you were moving was within 
reasonable reach. And um, I think going back to what you said initially, Gareth, about the, the multiple player thing, I I was playing the the German battle cruisers, which if anyone's got any knowledge of the, the battle, they're right at the front of the German line. I had absolutely no idea what was going on at the other end of the table, which <laughs> mm. is very much like uh, a divisional commander or a brigade commander in a large battle would be. They, they, they would be concentrating on their their area and not seeing um, what's going on all the way down the other end of the table. They just, they just mm. wouldn't have a clue. And I, and I quite enjoyed that feeling very much. Um, so what, um, Chris, have you been involved in any big games? What's the biggest game you've kind of played in? Uh, I mean, I've not. I can't claim responsibility for really organising it. But I suppose as part of the people who turned up and played it and videoed it for the club. But the like the last thing, the last big thing, I suppose that like Stonewall did was a fantastic um, Peleliu game, World War Two game. Yeah. Um, at, at Partizan, twenty nineteen. I want to say twenty nineteen, not last yeah. year, the year before, which they won won best. Um, participation game for a part of that. Mm. I'll say they because I I think I play tested it a few times yeah. I, I don't think I even made a bit of terrain for it I just played turned up and play tested yeah. with them and just you know and then did a video for them on yeah. there you know I, didn't, I can't claim responsibility for making much of it yeah but that was driven by two or three other members you know but that was the biggest yeah. game and, and that was ambitious not in terms of figure numbers there are plenty of figures yeah. but there weren't thousands but it, it was mm. the it was a 12 by it was a 12 by by six, and it was it had a sand table um, towards the airfield at the back, you know, and then it had jungle, a strip of jungle, and it had coast, the coastal line, and it had the gun emplacement to the left hand side. Um, so it was in terms of terrain, it was usually ambitious, and it, it, it looked fantastic. You know. So sorry, that scale of terrain yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. And, and how long was that game over? What sort of a time period did you play? Was it a day or two days or? You know, it's just done for the duration of the show, and I think I think we yeah. did did playthroughs of it. I think in the end. So you've yeah. you've not had the full in um, weekend uh, Friday through till Saturday afternoon. Not yet. With no. beer, right? We're going to sort that out not for yet. you. The end of not yet. No. We are going to sort that out for you, mate, and we are going to have no. a proper yeah. big game weekend, mate. And we'll we'll, yeah. we'll make. I've never fun. actually done that. Uh, frustratingly, right. Um, yeah. One of our group members, Togs, was um, doing a whopping great 19th century South American game, mm. which, he'd, which he'd actually got the point where he'd rented a church hall out in, uh, in <laughs> Derbyshire for. Yeah, we're getting there which now. Was, I think it was there. L-shaped yeah. as well. And I was down as one of the players. Again, I didn't actually, wasn't going to paint anything or it was Togs driving it, you know. Yeah. Um, but we said, oh, we're going to need people to turn up and play and, and you know, help people who, who want to join in if they want to turn yeah. up. And I, I was down to do that. For, I think I was going to do the Saturday yeah. with him and I was going to do a video and everything because I'm not the group video guy. Yeah. Uh, so I was, going to, I was going to do, I was down to do that. And obviously, um, pandemic killed it, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a shame. Um, yeah. Gareth, have you had that uh, that weekend experience? Not a full weekend, no. We, we've played full days. Yeah. Um, 
Never played um, a demonstration game at a, at a show or a club. Yeah. In, in fact, um, locally, we, we don't have a club that um, uh, focuses in on, on historicals. Um, there, there is a club, uh, I say, probably about 12 miles away, um, but they are nearly all predominantly um, Games Workshop uh, gamers. Yeah. Um, so I, I went once and never went back. <laughs> um, so... Um, for, for me, my, my experiences of really big games are, are playing in people's houses or people coming to my house to play. Mm. Um, having the luxury of having a, a quite a, a large shed in the garden, mm. um, you know, it's easy to, to kind of set up games and things and play over um, a, a couple of weeks. Um, or when I've gone to other people's, I've probably got four guys really that uh, are into big uh, uh, big battle games that will yeah. will. Set, you know, set things up and uh, and get people around to, to play. Um, so that's my experience, really, is 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 playing in people's houses, but not not the extent that you you've played, Ken. Uh, I have to say, <laughs> uh, a weekend of gaming that yeah. sounds that's well, the, a, kill, a killer on the back and knees. Yeah, the um, the, the War Games Holiday Centre that used to be um, near Scarborough that was originally run by Peter Gilder and and then uh, Jerry Elliott had it and. Um, it's now, I'm not 100% sure where they are located now, but they're going to come on a podcast um, later on in the series and we're going to talk about the weekend games. Um, mm. But people would go, drive up on a Friday night, um, they would come into the, the War Games room, they would have a briefing, look at the table, um, sort out their orders, and then they'd go down the pub. And then about 10 o'clock in the morning, if you know, you, you'd get into the games room and you'd start the game and you'd game through to sort of five, six o'clock at night and then go down the pub and then get up the next day and then come back on the Sunday and game through till two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and hopefully you were sober enough to drive home at that particular point. <laughs> so that, that was very popular in the day and I'll be interested to speak to the war, the, the, the holiday centre guys and uh, another one of my friends who runs um, War Games Holidays uh, and see how popular, popular that is. Um, so... We um, we've talked about the big games that you've been involved in and where you are with stuff. Is there is there any drawbacks that you think, or any negative side to a big game? I think Chris probably you might be um, better speak on this first, as, as you're younger, <laughs> if that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, so. You spoke a bit about you know in your pilot about um, skirmish games and. and... Mm. Your sort of a, your much greater preference, shall we say, for the yeah. big game over the small game. I think that uh, the difficulty is right. The, the sort of um, the dilemma for a, a younger sort of novice, right, mm. is that yeah, you are bowled away by those huge games, and I'll say yeah, those really big games. And in this sense, let's say you know you walk into a show mm. like I did, and you see a twelve by six that's got a couple of thousand figures on it. That's that that is inspiring, um, but it's easy to also be intimidated by it and think, oh, I could never do that. Mm. Um, so I think, and walk in my my opinion, right? And a lot of people disagree with me. In my opinion, there are loads of sort of hurdles and barriers and sort of stopping points to get into historical wargaming. There's, there's yeah. probably too many. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault. Yeah nobody's fault at all but it's, it's probably harder than it should be to yeah. get into on a basic level so if you uh 
you know, if if you were to walk in, like I said before, I think on Twitter with you, Ken, like mm. if you if you walk into a show and as a novice who's curious, who wants to get started, mm. and you only saw twelve by six footers with three thousand mm. figures with relatively complicated rule systems, mm. you will enjoy that show. But I think that makes you less likely to start mm. in, in today's day and age mm. because some of the, the games that you've got lesser preference for, they are that starting point. They're that stepping mm. stone. They're that kind of training ground in some ways. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe they're, they're just a, a, an option for somebody, do you know what I mean, to get started. Yeah. Because although I always wanted to build a massive army and to play on a minimum six foot, preferably 12, and get, <laughs> get like, big games going and get into that, all, that was always what I wanted to do. Yeah. In my first year, I, I set myself a simple goal. I bought, bought a copy of Lion Rampant, which is a skirmish game, which you can play with like you know 60, mm. 80 figures aside, and so I could I could play a war game mm. relatively quickly in my first year. So I could get a grasp of a basic system. I could set it up on my dining room table, get a few bits of terrain, paint a face figures aside, and I'm I'm into it. I'm, I've started. So I've got a game going. It's not a yeah. big game, but it but I've got sort of cracked the basics. Mm. And I've played Lion Rampant a few times since. And it's it's all been used as a kind of build-up and a sort of like learning system for me. Yeah. To get to sort of graduate upwards. That's how I've always seen mm. that. Yeah. It's like a curve an upward curve. And the skirmish games, even now for me, like I've been playing uh, Nevermind the Bill Hooks recently, yeah. which is a Wars Roses mm. big skirmish small battle system is how it's mm. described. Yeah. That's quite nice for me now to just like get if my son's only young and he's really quite mm. likes playing and he can kind of broadly understand bill hooks. Uh, and it's relatively quick to set up and it's easy for him to understand. So it's like a nice middle mm. ground as you're growing your confidence in your collection up to yeah. those whoppers, which is kind of like where I'm getting to now, kind yeah. of thing. And so uh, yeah, Gareth, did you see it that way or? Um, how did you? How do you see the drawbacks of the big game? Do you th- see skirmish gaming as a way in, or how do you see it? I, th- I think it's an entry point for people. Um, I think it's an easy way for people to get to to, to join the hobby and, and give it a go. Um, you know, and I think that they're very much based on 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 cost. Um, you know, if you put a big game on, um, it's it's going to cost you a few bob in in figures. Okay, now that we've got a fairly wide selection of plastics, I guess that's been offset a little bit, um, but but it's still pricey, isn't it? You know, you, you mm. buy a, a box of Perry's, they're they um, they wore the roses, let's say uh, archers. I mean, that gives you what a unit, a unit and a bit really. Um, so you still need several of those to um, to you know to play a big game. Um, so yeah, I, I, space obviously is is a concern for people. Um, as Chris has already, already touched on, you know, for, for a lot of guys, um, being able to achieve a, a six foot by four is mm. uh, is a challenge. Um, to play your big games, you know, do you need to rent a hall? Do you need to to go to a club, etc.? Mm. Um, I mean, that's that's a difficulty. Um, scenery we've talked about already. If you're going to make that table, that big table, look look to look pretty. You know, you need lots of nice scenery to do that. Again, that's that's further cost, uh, more work. Um, but it's, I think, 
definitely the, the the biggest challenge I think for people mm. is the uh, the amount of painting that people have got mm. to put in the amount of hours you've got to dedicate to the hobby um, to get those figures painted to to mm. uh, a war games mm. standard to to get them on the table. And uh, just going on from that, then the um, the attitude uh, attitude or the 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 way the podcasts have come across that I've, that I've listened to have been very much um, that people don't want to do that anymore. That they don't want to take that step from that initial skirmish game into the larger games. Um, as I mentioned, if I if I've got a game that's got sixty figures, I'm going to paint that in two or three weeks. And then I'm going to get bored with it because I'm not doing anything more with it. Um, do you think that encouragement is out there still for people to to go big, Gareth? Um, probably less so at the moment um, in lockdown. Um, yeah. I think uh, the experience of going to shows um, and seeing these these big games being put on by by clubs um, was definitely a good motivating factor, I think, for for some people. Um, you know, it's we're, we're pretty limited now, aren't we, uh, with regards to our wargaming experience. Um, I've I've certainly played some virtual games, um, you know, during lockdown, and and that's been fun. Um, but they've always been small skirmish games. Uh, I mm. can't imagine uh, doing a virtual game for you know seven or eight hours. Um, you know, with one person moving uh, the figures while yeah. the rest of us are kind of, you yeah. know, dictate being the generals over, over the mic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, that's a challenge, definitely. And Chris, what about you on that point? Do you think um, that it's not the bigger game is not being pushed at the moment as much as it was? It certainly, to me, doesn't seem to be much stuff coming out for bigger games. It's all um, skirmish kickstarters and like baron's war and all these sorts yeah. of games and lion rampant they're all 50, yeah. 60 figures yeah well I, I was thinking about this today i was thinking like who who was the last person or, or, or company to to really push big games and I think, mm. you know, the ones that, that spring out to my mind anyway with things like you know black powder and hail caesar which we're going back, hell season going back 10 years now, I think. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was a real, when you look back at that, I mean, I, I, it was it happened before I was into hobby, but having looking at it now, sort of in the rear view mirror a little bit, mm. that was, the, the, you know, hell season is a system for, for big games. Mm. Um, so they were the last people to really, you know, let's design a system for really mm. big games and a, a series of miniatures for the, get the base at really big games and let's push it commercially. Yeah. I think that's what, a lot of this comes down to basic economics, I think, for people who design rules or sell figures or are mm. into games. It's, it, it's, it makes commercial sense to, to create smaller games that are easier to get into and then easier to play and, and get through and then mm. introduce other rules for different periods and so you can sell, sell more things that way, you know. It's, yeah. it's, there's, well, a part, there's a bit of economics going on there. That, that, you've brought up a very important point, Chris, there, and one that I wanted to talk about. And um, t- to me, in my tiny little mind, I look at the amount of um, advertising, the amount of hype that comes into some of these games, and you'll see 
it's everywhere and it's like play this play this play this you know infamy infamy i love the lardies um but their they, their rule sets are a little bit too small for me um, but i love what they do and i love their mechanisms and i think they're yeah, a, I do. A, a yeah. fresh a fresh breeze of air uh, for, for the for the uh, for yeah. the yeah, hobby um but they spend a lot of time getting people into a game that is 60 figures so why not get those people in and you've spent your money on your advertising why not get them in and then get them to go big uh well is that not kind of what a lot of people will do naturally though particularly with things like sharp practice because that's a taster of the paradox i think I, I love sharp practice because it's a way I can envisage myself getting into Napoleonics. Mm. That's that's a way off for me at the moment because it's still <laughs> the, the whole that whole era still terrifies me. Yeah. But to me, it, when it come when the when the day comes when my kids are probably left home right in yeah. ten years, right, I, I, one day I'm going to do Napoleonics and I'll probably yeah. start off by doing something like shot practice, just like yeah. that. So I can paint up, I can get into the era, I can do my research, I can get my head around it. Mm. I can get I can get a game out early by using something mm. like shot practice. And then eventually I might move on to, to another set of rules. But I've got the figures, yeah. period. I've got an understanding. I've done my homework. I've, I've got into sharp practice. And then eventually I'll move up somewhere else, you know, to, to different rules. That's how so, I yeah. view stuff like that. So you're kind of saying it's like a gateway drug, is what you're saying? It kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drug analogies, I think, are, are fair, you know. Yeah. Ways. At least, at least in some ways, uh, sort of psychologically, I suppose it's a, it's a kind of it's, a, it's an easy entry point, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Not 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 that I'm advocating <laughs> you know, like methods of uh, experimental substances, but it, it's uh, it's it's a it's it is it is a simple way in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's probably a fair comment to make as well. If um if Rich and Nick sold miniatures, um you might yeah. see the, the size of their games <laughs> increase. <laughs> Yes, I think you're very, very right there. That's a, that's a big, yeah. big, that's a big, big one. What's the, yeah. uh, what's the, the new and shiny thing like for you, Gareth? Are you, um, do you, can, do you stay on one project for a while, or do you move around and and pick things up here and there? Well, at the, at the moment, I'm working on um, World War One, um, yeah. and. Um, undecided at the moment uh, whether to use Through the Mud and the Blood um, or use uh, Trench Wars, uh, which is a, a very old set of rules um, from Old Glory. Mm. Um, the, I, I guess with Trench Wars, what it'll give me, it'll allow me to use um, b- between three, 400 figures per side, you know, uh, right. and I think that will look spectacular. Uh, I think if I went through with uh, through the Mud of the Blood, I think it's about 120 figures um, yeah. you can get away with, but I think it plays better probably at, um, at a smaller level from talking to people who've played this game before. Um, I'm also pushing um, World War Two, so in the Pacific. Okay. Um, so I've done um, two um, fairly large uh, armies for um, the US uh, and also the Japanese. Um, but they, they are just side projects. These ones, you know, these, these the, even though they're large skirmish, um, it's it's the big battles that really interest me. Um, really looking forward to the War of the Roses. Um, okay. Um, you know that's that's going to be a, a, a great event. Uh, hopefully, it would uh, it'll come off in May, but if it doesn't, then I'm sure we'll we'll do it later in the year. Um, and then, kind of, that leads me into the the Italian wars. Um, 
at the moment you put me on to Furioso. Yeah. Um, really like the look of the, those rules. Yeah. Uh, and I think it will play with the size of fig, you know, the size of uh, of units that, um, that that I'm interested in. Um, so, um, but it, it, I haven't given it a go yet. So, uh, uh, only time will tell. Is, is skirmishing something that skirmish games something that you avoid then, Gareth, or uh, do you have like little side projects here and there that um, fit into that category? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you 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 may have seen my my Chechen War uh, mm. games that I play. Um, I mean, I play them with bolt action, but I, I upscale bolt, bolt action. So um, we're usually using a platoon and maybe a couple of, uh, uh, of vehicles per side. Um, I, I might use company attacks with, yeah. with that and have, you know, um, several uh, armored units on the table. Um, so I think you can, you can take these smaller sets um, and you can adapt them really to, uh, um, to what fits your you know your most enjoyable kind of style of of play lovely well i think we've we've had a good chat there about the the big game and um i'm just going to take a short break now and we'll be back shortly Okay, welcome back to Yorkshire Gamer. And before we get on to the big topic of the World War of the Roses, uh, we're just going to have a little test or a little quiz for our uh, guests today. And it's uh, 20 quick-fire questions, and um, we'll go through it with uh, both our guests today. And it's based around what I think, and obviously with me being from Yorkshire, what I think is correct. Uh, so it's, it's how Yorkshire Gamer are you? Um, so are there any volunteers to go first, or should we just go with Chris? You can pick on me if you want. Yeah, right? pick on you. Okay, Chris. Why not? There's no time limit on this, but I want the first thing that comes into your head. And if you pass, if, you pass, if, you're, not, if you're going to be not making a decision, <laughs> I'm going to mark you down. Is that fair? I feel like I'm going to fail this spectacularly, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> As we say to all the kids today, there's no pass or fail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so 20 questions, quick fire. Question one, go big or go home? Go big. Go big. Contrast paints, great or a waste of time? Great. Windsor and Newton or Yorkshire made pro art? Windsor and Newton. 96 figures, an army. Or a pipe block? Pipe block. Good lad. Uh, <laughs> six foot, six by four table, big game or small? Big game. Big, big game. Points based or historical or bat? Order of battle. Historical or bat. Wet palette or old bit of MDF? Wet palette. Undercoat figures, black or white? Neither, but black. 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 Would you ever, in inverted commas, run a list? Never. Good lad. Pike, blo <laughs> pike blocks, tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. Two-hour club game or weekend monster? Mm. Two-hour two club game. Two-hour club game. 
Competition game or campaign game? Campaign game. Round dice, allowed or banned? Banned. Banned, good lad, good lad. Would you pay 33 pence for a communist? Uh, y- yes. <laughs> I'll come back to that seems, one. Seems value. <laughs> Do you love a good table in a set of rules? Do I love a good table and a set of rules? Not in a set of rules. Do a good? Do I love a good table? Oh, a, a table is that? Yeah, I like to say. I like yeah, to. Yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight mil is king. Yes or no? Yes. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Yes, it is. <laughs> Unpainted <laughs> miniatures allowed on the table. Yes or no? No. Don't matter how badly painted they are, but as long as somebody's made the effort. Yeah. Good lad. Um, this one is is definite pass or fail. Uh, Bradford City or Leeds United? Leeds. Oh, <laughs> I know a lot of Leeds fans more than I Bradford fans, I'm afraid. Oh, that's, that's bad. Uh, Yorkshire or that other place over the hill? Yorkshire. Good lad. Yorkshire. And finally, Games Workshop are the work of the devil, yes or no? No. 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 Lovely. We'll, uh, we'll come back with your results in a minute, Chris. <laughs> but um, th- there's some discrepancies there, mostly around uh, the Bradford City question. Well, let- let's see how yeah. Gareth does with the same That was question. my biggest aberration, wasn't it? <laughs> Gareth, are you ready? You fire away. Go big or go home? Go big. Contrast paints, great or a gimmick? Gimmick. Windsor and Newton or Yorkshire made pro art? Windsor and Newton. 96 figures, an army or a pike block? Pike block. Six by four, big table, big game or small? Small game. Points based armies or historical orders of battle? Always uh, historical OBs. Wet pallets or an old bit of MDF? A bit of MDF. Good lad. <laughs> Undercoat figures, black or white? Black. Would you ever run a list? No, never. Pipe blocks, tightly packed or socially distant? As tight as a duck's bottom. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's what we like to see. Uh, Two-hour club game or a weekend monster? Um, in between. In between, ooh, indecisive. Uh, competition game or campaign game? Oh, campaign game. Round dice, allowed or banned? Banned. Excellent. We don't want those. Would you pay thirty-three pence for a communist? No. No. Good one. Uh, love a good gay. Uh, love a good table in a set of rules. I uh, love a good table. Yes. Oh, excellent. Twenty-eight mil is king. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do they do figures in other scales? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think we might we might cause an eruption with that uh, statement, Gareth. But we're, we're <laughs> um, unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, yes or no? Never. The important question, Bradford City or Leeds United? As neither of them are in Wales, I'm going to so... <laughs> 
the Bradford City so just, universe. Which is closest to Wales? <laughs> just pick, draw a line. Like. Um, Yorkshire, or the other place over the hill? Lancastrians. Oh, <laughs> dear. And the final question, uh, GW, are they the work of the devil? No, I don't think they are. Excellent. Right, well, I'll come back shortly with the results of that, and uh, we'll see how you've got on. Well, so our, our bank of um, highly powerful um, fourth-generation computers have come up with uh, the percentages. And uh, Chris, unsurprising after the Leeds United result and the uh, <laughs> the, the, um, the wet palette, which we're, we're not going to agree on ever. Um, no, you are, never. You are, you are 60% Yorkshire gamer, which I think is, is not too bad. Not too it bad. could be worse, couldn't it? I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd absolutely... Uh... You thought you you thought you yeah. bombed it there, did you think? Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, no worries. And, mm. and today, today's winner, seventy-five um, percent Yorkshire gamer, uh, Gareth. So well done, Gareth. It's always nice having a bit of Yorkshire in you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we'll draw a line under that straight away. <laughs> so, what I mean, this is, this is what you meant. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, bit of controversy there. I think um, at least uh, Gareth, one of Gareth's comments about 28 mil will get us into trouble. Um, my uh, wet palette comment will get us into trouble. And um, we'll have people all over the internet having a go at us already. But I can take it. Um, Chris, you were about, do you remember Palm Tree Man that we spoke about in our interview? I do remember Palm Tree Man. I remember him well. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, has he been back in touch? He hasn't been back in touch. Gareth, are you aware of the story? I did, yeah, I heard it in the, um, in the podcast that you did, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah he hasn't been back in touch, but I'm, I'm, uh, the, the potential for us to generate a palm tree man as a result of this conversation. It's just tre- treble. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we've, in, we've increased fairly large there. Uh, so the, uh, the, 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 the main topic or the topic um, that we were going to talk about today um, is your World War of the Roses. And um, people um, hopefully will have seen something about it on, um, certainly on the Twitter, I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, and um, Facebook as well, is it on there? It's, it's around, but it's around. We, we all don't spend that much time on Facebook compared to a lot of other people. So it's, yeah. it's there. Yeah, but it's, there's no Facebook page for them, so no, it's no. on that adventure forum. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. Basically, there's three. Members, so, so. Am, am I right in saying that both you, Gareth, and you, Chris, were kind of involved in the start of this? Yes, uh, I do. I'm trying to think back. <laughs> it, I was it, was, think, yeah. it was right happen? in the middle of of, of the uh, uh, the second wave, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But we managed to. To start talking across uh, uh, across Twitter, uh, yeah. and there was a I think it was Stephen that... Gareth that actually introduced you, us. I think it was Steve. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's how, that's that's how we originally started a conversation. Yeah, yeah. That's how it started. I think. And what what was the sort of germ of that conversation? How did it all sort of get going? Well, I, I think this comes from right. That, that, and again, if you if you're not a war, if you if you're not on Twitter as a war gamer, you might not even know he exists, but there's a guy yeah. called Stephen Wald hmm. whose Twitter profile is at old war gamer. 
who's got something like 5,000 followers or something, which on Twitter is a huge amount for a war gamer. Um, did, he, did he do an interview with you, Chris? I think I recognise. He that. did. Yeah, he yeah, did. We yeah, did. He did a massive nice interview on the YouTube's, yeah. and we. I think we. He's he's really sort of supportive of trying to start simple sort of internet-based challenges and like little inspirational things to get people mm. together and to tear each other up in lockdown kind of thing. Mm. And I think it was him originally that put me and Gareth to touch into this because I think Stephen was a bit like, you never had a conversation with Gareth, with Lord Ragland about Wars of Roses. And I was like, no, you should. So that, it's that kind of conversation, you know. Yeah. I think that's how we originally, Gareth originally met because we never actually physically met in person. Mm. It's all been done in lockdown. So that was how it came about. And then somebody set up a Twitter group, like a Twitter messaging chat group, mm. just sort of myself, Gareth, Stephen, and a chat called Paul Baldwin. Hmm. who's another sort of big 15th century fan who's on the venture forum a fair bit yeah and that was that's the that's the kind of foursome that are sort yeah. of behind it if you like that have yeah. created it hmm. so gareth what, with, what do you remember was, about those first um, conversations well uh, I, I mean this is um kind of an unreserved plug really for athenian miniatures um <laughs> a friend of a friend of mine john kabushi um has has got a small uh, miniature company and um he um um, he's been he commissioned a, a War of the Roses range, obviously in twenty eight mil because that's the only, uh, the only scale that we can scale they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the last uh, eighteen months or so, and yeah. um, he was just about to, to launch a Kickstarter um, in November time last year. So I thought uh, to help him, uh, what we would do is, is see if we could generate some some interest in the War of the Roses, um, and um, he's he's very kindly uh, donated a uh, an army um, for the diorama competition that uh, yeah. uh, we're looking to run alongside the uh, the big battle event. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great actually. We got together with with these group of guys that all had similar interests, uh, you know, um, and. Um, I mean, from the from the word go, I'm mean, that first first meeting that we had. Um, what we were chatting away for what hour and a half, you know, and we we'd never met each other before. Yeah. Um, we just had the common interest of being a war gamer and having an interest in medieval medieval battles. And um, what what was the what was the plan? What was the 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 evil plan that you put together in the yeah. dark lair? We, we should say what it is, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, what it actually is. So, I mean, the, the basic the basic objective, first of all, was right. Let's let's connect a small group of us that are into this period, and mm. uh, maybe is it is it practical to combine our collections once lockdown ends and get a game on, get a big yeah. game on. Yeah. So the the starting point was myself, Gareth, and Paul mm. are, are going to play um, a Battle of St Albans game, first Battle of St Albans game, mm. which is if you in. Just a couple of paragraphs is basically the, the first sort of big battle or the big, first big engagement with the Wars of the Roses, um, which is where, you know, uh, Richard Duke of York has his first sort of armed clash with supporters of Henry VII at the Towns and Albans. Yeah. And it's, it's famous for being sort of a lot of fighting done in, in sort of medieval streets. So obviously mm. you have to have a, a, at least a version of a medieval town. And so visually it's quite spectacular. Um, but it's it's also not something that's that you, you'd want to attempt on your own or you know not together in two weeks. You know it takes a bit of time, a bit of planning. So we decided that 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 would be a good. A lot of our sort of collections kind of match mm. that era of the wars. 
1950s. So we that was the first thing we decided, right, let's get together when this all is all over. And one of the first things we'll do when we're allowed to mix is let's fight a big battle in Albans. And from there we said, well, you know, I think it was Stephen was stoking the fire saying, why don't you try and, why don't you start tweeting an Instagram about that and post on social media about that and try and get other people involved in doing their own battles. So we came up with this idea, which is in simple form is called the World War of the Roses, which is basically to take part, all you've got to do is plan a game uh, around the same dates that we're going to play, which is on the 22nd and 23rd of May of this year, 2021. Yeah. All you got to do is find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and tell us that you're going to play a game on one of those two dates. Tell us which battle you're going to recreate. Um, and we'll, Eventually, we'll have a, a sort of network of games that are being played in different countries all around the world on that weekend. And we'll keep a rough score, basically, of who wins at each battle, whether it's York or Lancaster, which will give us an overall kind mm. of like fun winner at the end of the weekend. Uh, and, and it's as that, really. And just post, if you're posting on social media, if you're planning towards a big game on that date, let us know by using the hashtag World War Roses uh, and get involved, basically. I think at the minute we've got a game in Canada, we've got two or three games in, in the UK, got a couple of games in Australia, got a game in New Zealand taking part, we've got one in Spain, uh, people in America. So I think we're up to, uh, got somebody in Scotland now, so we're, I think we're up to about a dozen games of re, sort of recreating various battles and there's probably about upwards of sort of 50 60 people all painting and using the hashtag just painting walls roses figures and, and using the hashtag for work. so that's again, uh, that's gone quite quite wide then hasn't it it's um it's from the four people initially it's um it's increased quite some um a number of times hasn't it 10 15 times yeah, yeah, I suppose definitely. so. Yeah, it's gone from it's gone from a shed to many sheds around the world. You know, <laughs> not thousands, but you know, we wanted the principle of it was let's get somebody playing the same thing as us. Yeah, a thousand miles away in a different country on the same weekend and having a laugh about it. You know, that's yeah, I, th I think Stephen has got uh, a bit of a history, hasn't he, of um, these um, social media led uh, kind yeah. of projects. And I, I remember him um, in that first conversation we had that you know you you build it and people will come and and, and people are actually absolutely. <sighs> gagging for these kind of things you know yeah uh, and certainly this project kind of bore that out because um what we found was lots of people jumped on it in a really quick time <laughs> um you know within a matter of weeks we had people posting yeah we're definitely going to do this battle posting uh, uh, you know painted figures on 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 twitter um it really picked up pace uh, at a rapid rate or not and um just going back to the St. Albans game, um, what sort of um, preparation has been done for that? I mean, my understanding is that it, it, it's on the edge of a, of a town and there's, there's quite a lot of buildings involved. How, how are you going to recreate that? Gareth. It's going to be played at Gareth's shed. Yeah, we, you know, I, when restrictions are. So it's, it's largely going to be on Gareth's table. Man. Right. So, so Gareth, what, 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 what are other people doing for your terrain then? <laughs> no, it's it's worth saying. I think we got a good example. We had uh, Eric the Shed, didn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah, yeah. Um, that had run this game um, and did it really well. 
Yeah. Um, so it was a good template, I think, that we could yeah. use, you know, great for marketing. our own game. Yeah. It did, yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, so yeah, I've got a couple of people at the moment who are working on the scenery for us. So I, I yeah. think uh, uh, to replicate the town um, isn't going to be uh, too too difficult. Um, I know Chris has got some buildings as well yeah. uh, that um, that he's, he's going to bring down. So so I think we'll we'll be able to just sort the town without. No yeah. issue, really. Mm. Um, Size-wise, um, we'll probably stretch it out to five foot by by ten foot. Mm. Um, so you know you you'll have lots of space on the side uh, of the of the main battle area. Mm. Um, you know to move troops in, reserves, etc. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's it'll be good. Uh, it's just a shame that I think that um, the, uh, the the date may be delayed um, due to um, uh, the COVID crisis. Yeah, we should yeah, say yeah. that it's twenty um, second of February now, and we expect an announcement today. And obviously, we're waiting to the, the household mixing and crossing the borders is what we need yeah. to to rely I, on, I suppose, yeah. when it's safe to do so. Yeah. I, I don't mm. think you're going to be too far off with that May date. You might have to put it back a couple of months. And yeah, uh, I, think, I think we'll be lucky, but we'll see how we go. I, yeah. I'm okay, see, because I've had my first job and I'm having my second job next week. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth's not worried. No, he's, he's fine. He's fine. Just leave. Just leave, leave us poor peasants to die in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going back, going back to the terrain, though, I think it's like people will know if I've ever looked into it or googled it. It's, it is quite a challenge, Snowbridge. It is, yeah. You've got to recreate not just a town, but you've got to recreate like a late fifteenth-century town. Mm. And there aren't that many people doing ready-made fifteenth-century, late fifteenth-century buildings out there. I mean, you get plenty of dark ages. Like yeah, mid-medieval kind of thing. But for for the kind of sort of civic buildings that you would have seen on the main street of St Albans in the late fifteenth century, it, it's not it's not there's not an abundance of options out there. So thankfully, I've got uh, a street's worth of mm. stuff, which is either I bought or made myself. Some of it I've handmade. The um, a couple of buildings that have got the kind of the not quite Tudor era. Um, mm style timber frame but they've got that late 15th century timber frame look yeah. which i've had to hand make myself which is an absolute yeah. pain and i'm probably not going to do many more and then the other thing that people people like often get stuck on is well not stuck on or, or is ditch in the, the at that time the town was surrounded by a ditch that was known as the tunnel ditch mm. and it's like how you represent that because no one really knows what that really looked like there are sort of sections in st albans now of earth banking, which they think are probably the remnants of the Tundra Ditch, yeah. which probably went back to Roman times, maybe. Um, in that, but you know, you've got to try and find a way to recreate that. And that it's literally, you know, a, a, a ditch barrier with on the other side, there's probably a fence on the top of it. Um, so you've got to try and circle what you've built with something mm. to represent that, you know. So, so at, at what, at what, yeah, at what point did you think, why didn't we just do one of the battles that happened in a field? <laughs> well, I, I think that was the, the main reason why we chose yeah. St Albans, wasn't it? You know, because yeah, that's the point. It was, yeah. it was very distinctive. You, you know, uh, yeah. the, uh, from that first picture, you would you would see, yeah, okay, that is definitely the first battle of St Albans. Um, yeah. You know, um, and it's it's the as Chris said, it's the first battle, um, you know, major battle in the War of the Roses. Uh, but that distinctive look is what we um, what we were trying to capture, really, um, because many of the other battles were just fought on open fields. Hmm. And what sort of um, what sort of number of figures are you, are you looking at to get on the table for that game? I mean, 
there's the sort of the aim, the goal, the dream is about a thousand aside. Okay. Around that sort of bracket. I mean, I'll probably end up on the day. I'll probably end up bringing about six, seven hundred. Yeah. Which Gareth might fill in a little bit on, on my side, and Paul Bob will bring a few for Yorkists as well. Yeah. We'll be we'll be close to a thousand aside. I'd imagine. Oh, that's in, in our, so in, going back to our definition of a big game, then we're, we're, we're well into that territory then. Yeah, I'd say so. I think so. I think the interesting thing about it, right, is that, that if, we had, if we had maybe another year, you could almost do it a one-to-one, actually, because, because uh, I think, if I'm right, I think the Royalist Army was only about 2,000 on the day. Hmm. That sort of region-ish. I think so New Yorkers had a larger force. Like, but... Have you got a figure scale then that you're working to? Are you working 10 to 1, 20, roughly? Are you got a rough Not really. Scale? It's probably about 2 to 1, isn't it, Gareth? Like yeah, I, I mean, um, we, we, we did talk about this, and, and I guess we um, we wanted it to be a game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we um, the, the Yorkers could have rocked up with, um, you know, twice as many figures, um, and it would have just been a, a walkover for them, really. Um yeah. But we, we, we wanted it to be a game. So uh, we just, just decided, really, Chris, wasn't it, on this this kind of yeah. approximately 1,000 figures per side. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, um, you know, it's more of a challenge both, for both sides. And what have, you, what have you decided on in terms of rules? Are you going to use a specific set or make something up? Or how are you going to go down that rule? Dad? Again, we've had long conversations about this. Uh, we wanted the game to move all along at a reasonable pace, and we wanted to be able to finish it within a day. Um, so we're we're we're, we're going to use Hail Caesar. Um, so I've I've not played these for a while. Um, yep. So certainly before we um we we set the game up, we're going to have to uh, um, all get kind of used to the rules, um, <laughs> and play a bit of solo. Um, but um, yeah, we. From experience of using uh, black powder um, and a little bit of hail Caesar previously, I know that you can shift um, through a game in you know six to eight hours, and that's probably um, a, a, probably a, about right, really, given mm-hmm. the, the distance that people are going to have to travel um, mm-hmm. to um, to come come to Abergavenny. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the never copy of it. And I've played it, played yeah. hail Caesar. I have, I have actually played it a few times in the past, and. So I, I was familiar with it before lockdown, if you don't Oh, yeah, be yeah. Rust, be rusty as hell now. <laughs> so the, the never mind the bill hooks rule set that you spoke about earlier on, is is that outside the scope of that rule set then? I, th- I think so. Because th- you can scale up bill hooks. I mean, it's designed for um, uh, roughly 100 models a size, roughly. Yeah. Bill hooks is. And you can scale it up. And I've played with 200 models a size and, and just above that. But around that point is where you're really pushing it because you can you can make your commanders a bit better and give them more actions. Mm. Um, but you you're really pushing the boundaries past that point. It so seems think, something from, like Hail Caesar is yeah. not complicated and it's more geared towards larger games. Yeah, I mean the, the I've I've watched a Bill Hooks game on on YouTube and it did seem quite bloody. It seems to be very quick in terms of casualties. Or was it it is actually, yeah, yeah. It's um, what's what I like about Bill Hooks is the maneuver phase is really quick and simple. So it's yeah. it's it's not it's uh, I mean that initial there's an initial phase in Bill Hooks which is just the movement of troops towards each other, and you don't mm. worry about 
you're not worried about cards, you're not worried about who goes, it's just right, you move your unit, I move your unit, you move your unit, which just brings both armies together really quickly. Yep. So there's not like an hour long worth of sort of meandering around. Yeah. So you get into, and then as soon as you get into combat, yeah, it's it, there's there's rarely you know, engagements that will that result in like no casualties. So yeah. It's, it's, it is it is re- relatively quick and relatively bloody, I suppose. So what what would the limiting factor be with that then to to turn that into a big game? Is it the activation or or I'm just interested in how different sets of rules deal with the larger game. Uh, well, it's all the kind of structure of it, I suppose, is all based around commanders that then have actions around a set number of units that have to stay within their orbit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And you can give them extra actions up to a point, but I think if you pushed it any further than I've pushed it already, you would... Um, what's the word? Yeah, that system would fall apart a bit, I think. Yeah. With, I, I, kind of siphoning think, people off into small... Mm. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of rule sets do do that. Um, have you had any experience with, with Bill Hooks, Gareth, or is it uh, a new set? No. I think um, we did consider them, Chris. Um, wasn't it? But it, I think that single casualty removal thing was uh, was probably the, um, yeah. the, the 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 big um, stop to uh, you know transforming that into a into a larger game. Um, I think that would have been quite challenging um, given the size of figures that we're we're looking to to get onto the table. It's certainly yeah. it's certainly with the way it was released through the magazine uh, as a free set of rules. It, it's certainly perked interest in Wars of the Roses. Um, yeah. is, is that something you found as well in, in you know, with your World War of the Roses? Um, is it becoming the new Italian wars? Yeah, it's, I think it, the timing's come together quite nicely, isn't it, Gareth, I suppose? I think we we were... I think I can't, the timing of Bill Hooks probably was released before we started talking about it. Just before we started talking about it. Mm, yeah. And then John's Kickstarter, Gareth, came in um, just before Christmas, didn't it? Yeah, it was November uh, time, wasn't it? November, yeah. yeah. So the timing of everything's come together really nicely. So Wars of the Roses, having undergone, in my opinion, <laughs> I would say this, in my opinion, like before the past 12 months, it's, it had undergone a bit of a quiet a period with, mm. a, you know, with, no, with no real new miniatures since the Perrys had brought out the plastics. And there was no, uh, there were no sort of specific Wars of the Roses rule systems really kicking around that mm. come new onto the market. And then you've got all of that just happened. So you've, somebody's brought out a successful set of rules specifically for the period and somebody's done a whopping great Kickstarter that got funded in like, three weeks or whatever, you know, yeah. to, to fund our new series. So it's quite nicely timed. So um, you've, you've spoke about these other people uh, around the world who are involved. Are they putting on different games or are they doing St. Albans as well? They can do whatever they like, basically. They can, you know, they could make up a game, really. <laughs> And, 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 and do you know, have, any, you, any have you had any contact with them and, and know what they're doing? Yes, there's a there's a the, the most interesting stuff about it is from people who aren't, aren't native English speakers in Spain because my Spanish is decidedly <laughs> secondary school Spanish. There's a, there's a team of guys there in the sort of Barcelona Catalonia way that are doing, um, I think they're doing Wakefield actually. Um, oh, yeah, just, down, just down the road, just down the road, yeah. So <laughs> If you see a couple of like confused looking Catalonians walking around, point them yeah, that way, you know. Big, yeah. big, big yellow and red striped flags on the back, yeah. asking where the battlefield is. Yeah. 
it's, so, under, it's under the co-op, lad. It's under the co-op. Yeah, it's long gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we certainly, certainly didn't want to be we, we, prescriptive at all, did we? Um, you know, we, yeah. we wanted people to, uh, to have the freedom to choose what battle, um, what scale, um, how you know the, the the size of the battle that they they played really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was long as it was War of the Roses themed. Um, yeah. That was that was fine. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you mentioned it in passing, um, the, the vignette competition. Um, tell us a bit about that. And it, it, I have to say, it's a rather spectacular prize. I think um, the big prize on Bullseye was smaller than uh, <laughs> what you people have managed to turn up. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let Gareth explain the prize. <laughs> credit, credit to Gareth's relationship with John, really, that we've got yeah. such a great prize. So, yeah, I think... As I mentioned, John, John from Athenia Miniatures. Um, it's a, a relatively new new uh, miniature company that uh, um, John is um, has launched really in the last um, twelve months or so. Um, John was was a supporter of this um, this project really right from the start. So when I approached him and asked him whether he would put a prize up, uh, um, he came back to me, "Yeah, no problem at all. I'll give you a full Kickstarter army, um, you know, uh, plus the, um, the 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 add-ons, the Kickstarter add-ons." which um, was extremely generous and uh, and again i think it's 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 sparked lots of interest so what we'll what, say, what sort of um, number of figures are you looking at then with that as an entirety um value wise it was about 200 quids worth of um figures um yeah. number wise um i think it's 120 something like that so over 100 figures yeah so it's a it's a good start then along the line to uh, to a big army. It's a good bull bill hawks, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, just uh, just for the listeners, then explain how uh, people would need to get involved in this competition. Who's gonna Who's gonna do the judging? How's it gonna work? Sure. So it's it's basically it's a vignette competition. So what we're asking people to do is to create a Wars of Roses vignette. And there'll be some people who don't really understand what that is. But a vignette is basically uh, a single base with a collection of miniatures on it that are depicting some sort of scene. So people might think of a command stand as being a vignette, which is perfectly reasonable. You know, you have a commander and you might have a, a herald or a standard bearer or something like that. Or you might have somebody you know, shouting some, some message up to him or something like that as, as a command stand. So in a basic form, a vignette is like a command stand on a circuit base. Hmm. And, and the base size is, is you know, um, we're looking for things that are on no bigger than a CD disc, if it's yep. circular, and a CD case, if it's square. Hmm. To count as a vignette, it's, it, it would need to have at least two miniatures on it. So a yep. single miniature is not going to cut it, you know. You don't want to be too crowded, but there's no real limit, you know. But you know, a vignette is like a it's like a miniature diorama on a battlefield on, on a game, hmm. thinking about like that. Uh, and it's got to be a Wars of Roses vignette, okay? Yep. So, and what we mean by that is the miniatures have got to come from largely from a Wars of Roses range. Hmm. We're not going to be too fussy about the time periods because that's hmm. kind of questionable, isn't it? So, Wars of Roses is arguably from yeah. like 14, 30 or something to 15 or something, you know. Mm. As long as the miniatures come from uh, a, a range, I mean, a bit of conversions are fine, you know, a bit of yeah. matching is okay, but as long as the majority of the miniatures come from. 
And they must have been painted by you. So there must have been, yeah. you know, obvious things done by you and not have it previously entered into any competition, which is just yeah. to prevent somebody rocking up and doing something that somebody could have been two years ago or mm. something. Uh, and to enter, all you've got to do is, is post your vignette, create your vignette, take a good, clear photo of it and post it on either Twitter, Instagram or the Lead Adventure Forum, where there's yep. a thread in the yep. medieval section with the hashtag, hashtag um, WWR vignette, hashtag WWR vignette. Yep. And the closing date is, uh, it's about five weeks from today. It's uh, eight o'clock, I believe, on March 28th. That's yep. 8 p.m. GMT, March 28th. Mm. you just got to do that, basically, and we'll see it with a hashtag. Yep. If you don't use the hashtag on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, we won't see it, so make sure you use the yeah. hashtag. And then there's a forum on the Lead Adventure Forum, uh, Medieval Adventures, Vignette, Wars of Roses, Vignette, Painted Competition Thread. That counts as an entry. Stick it there. So there are three places basically where you can enter. That, that, that's brilliant. And and, and the, who's the, who's the judging panel? Yeah. So this is difficult <laughs> because I mean it, it will be. I'm sure it'll be me and Gareth. There'll be a panel. There will be a yeah. panel that, that'll do it. Judging is going to happen over the Easter weekend. Yeah. There'll be only one winner, uh, and you know judges will be myself, Gareth, probably Paul, and we'll, we're going to try and find a, a, a pro painter. Yeah. Um, to sit on as well, some somebody at least who's at least got yeah. close to winning something, you know. Who's, who's... Didn't, didn't you have didn't you have Kev Dallimore on your show? Yeah, yeah, we did. Have, I did have Kev Dallimore on my show, and I'm gonna gonna put an invitation into him. Uh, I think he's a bit busy at the minute. Yeah, no, no but, worries. Uh, but Kev, um, Kev would be great. Someone like Kev will, will step up and be there. For, if not Kev, it'll be somebody else. Um, well, that's that's absolutely fantastic, guys. Um, good luck with the vignette competition and the and the game. Uh, hopefully in May. Um, I want to thank both of you very much for coming on uh, and taking time with me today on the first ever full proper episode of uh, of um, the Yorkshire Gamer podcast. And Gareth, your first ever podcast. So uh, yeah, I think my wife will be proud of me as well. <laughs> I've you, behaved you, all the way through. All the way. Well, yeah. yeah, you are no longer a podcast virgin. So well done. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll just wrap up, wrap up there. Um, if people want to look at your stuff, Gareth, where, whereabouts are you visible on social media? Yeah, so I'm I'm on um, the Lead Adventure Forum, uh, and I'm also on Twitter. Um, I did have a blog, but I I don't know. I just uh, I just don't have time these days to kind of keep the blog um, up and running. But yeah, Lord Ragland on Twitter and um, on Laugh Again, Lord Ragland. No worries. Um, uh, so just before you go, is there, a, is there a question, any question that you would like to ask me as the host? So what, is you, what, what are you planning for your first big game um, when we come out of lockdown? Um, I am planning to do um, the Battle of Fenorvo, which is the first uh, big battle of the Italian Wars. Um, I'm working on a publication at the moment for Italian Wars. And um, we need an excuse to get some photographs of figures and stuff. Um, so that is going to be the the big game. Um, if you, I've just put a video. The monthly update video has gone on today on the YouTube's, and I've just got some uh, 28 mil rivers from Last Valley. I don't know if you're aware of Last Valley. Um, yeah, yeah. They are absolutely superb. Even if you just watch the video and flick to the bit where the rivers come on, have a look because they are awesome. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. They are good, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, so that's um, 
So that's me. Thanks very much, Gareth. Um, Chris, uh, whereabouts are you on social media? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. As I mean, YouTube's Winston Ab Reese. That's Winston A B Reese R E E S. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's Winston underscore A B underscore Reese. That's brilliant. You you've had an hour and a half opportunity to ask me questions in the Masters interview. Yeah, <laughs> but I do have it, one for you. Do you have a yeah, question? Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to build a massive Wars of Roses on me, Ken? Well, um, I have I have picked up um, some Wars of the Roses figures to do a little retinue for oh, yeah. the hashtag um, World War of the Roses. Um, where we progress from there, I, I, I went to front rank because I've never had any front rank figures and I love their um, sculpting style and I've loved it for a long, long time and never had an excuse to buy any. So this is my excuse. Um, so I've bought... Um, like a small retinue, a unit of men at arms, unit of arrow um, of archers, unit of billmen, and that will be uh, my little contribution. Whether I game with it or not, I don't know, um, but that will be my little contribution to the oh, world. That'd be great. Of roses. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks very much for that, guys. Um, thank you very much to everyone out there in um, podcast land or YouTube land, wherever you are. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another guest we're going to be talking to uh, richard harris uh, richard is an old friend of mine uh, from yorkshire uh, unfortunately he's a leeds united fan so he's going to fail the quiz um but he runs a company called legendary war games who run uh, big battle war game holidays so it's going to be great to talk to him so thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon <laughs>